Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hi, welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This is Christine Heath, and I'm with Judy Sedgman. And we're back for another episode talking about how we're looking at people and human beings and the way we function in a different way than traditional psychology. The topic that we have for today is forgiveness. And, you know, forgiveness to me was something that I couldn't always get my mind around because I thought that people, when they did really awful things to other people, couldn't be forgiven. Like I couldn't forgive them. And I frequently looked at them as being evil, bad people, and that there was like no way I would ever forgive them. And it wasn't until I started learning the principles and seeing that everybody has innate health within them, that their thinking, as we talked about last week, um, is what's causing them to act in ways that would be thinking that would be dangerous to themselves or others. And that thinking looks real to them in that moment. It looks like a good idea. So I could forgive some things, but I couldn't forgive other things, which I think was really interesting. But what helped me was to see that forgiveness wasn't for, like to forgive the other person for what they did, but forgiveness was for me to release my negative reaction to what they did. Hmm. And when I could see that, that I didn't want to walk around with that negative feeling about what happened to me, then I've had to find a way to see the person in a different light. I had to find a way to, to see it or to feel about it or to think about it in a way that did not create more of uh, victim thinking in me. Like I was big on seeing myself as a victim in the world. So like what, what I heard um, Sidney Banks say once is he said, you forgive the person, not the behavior. And it's like, oh yeah. Like if I see that people are psychologically innocent and at the effect of their own thinking, then they do what they do because literally that's the best they can see to do. So I was like, wow, like abusing a child's the best this person can see to do, but it's true. That's the best they can see to do. Now they know at the moment that that's not a good idea. Otherwise they tell people, you know, it's like we all know that what we're doing isn't a good idea when we're hurting somebody else, but our thinking is more powerful than that in our, in our, in, and our ability to, what's the word I want to use, is to give it credibility. So we give our intellect so much credibility, we literally override our wisdom, that knowing that we all have about how to treat each other in a good place. And whatever we think to do seems like a good idea. So people have affairs and they uh, get mad and hit people. They um, 
try to control people. They do, I mean, human beings are quite creative in the awful things they can think of to do to each other. But that's still what it is. It's still their best shot at trying to find a good feeling. And they're living in such a hellhole in their head that their thoughts match that state of mind. And what they come up with is really hurtful to people. So for me, finding forgiveness wasn't about the other person. It was really to release me from my negative feelings that I was holding on to as a result of what somebody did to me. That didn't mean I meant it, thought it was okay that they did it. It, didn't, it doesn't mean that they're my best friend now, but <laughs> I understand what they did. Mm-hmm. I understand actually that, actually it's not what they did. I understand that that was the best they could see to do. And I find it quite fascinating that people will think of many, many different creative things to do when they're in a bad state of mind and when they're in a good state of mind. You know, that reminds me of, of an incident that happened to me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like, uh, Chris is a big dog lover and I'm a big cat lover, although I love dogs too, but I've always had cats. And so one, one time in the neighborhood I was living in, I had a, a new little kitten. It was just adorable and it was given to me by a, a dear friend to replace a cat that had been killed by a coyote. So I was very attached to this little kitten and, um, and the it was it was curious, and it would it, it pretty much stayed close to the house when it went outside. But it sometimes went over to the neighbor's house, and the neighbor loved birds, and he had a lot of bird feeders. And when the cat was a kitten, you know, it just looked at the birds. But as it grew up into a, a, an adult cat, it tried to climb the bird feeders and shake the birds. And the neighbor hated my cat and really got angry with me. And um, at after. I tried to keep the cat away and tried to let the cat out only when I was there to watch it and everything. But the cat liked to go roam around the yard. So sometimes it would get over there without my realizing it. And the neighbor got increasingly threatening and ugly and nasty about it. And I, th- when I think back now, this is before I ever heard anything about the principles. And I was getting very hostile towards the neighbor because I was like, how could you be so cruel? And the cat's not going to get the birds. The birds fly away but he didn't want the birds to fly away. Well, he poisoned my cat and my cat died in my arms. It came crawling back towards the house and I saw that it was in distress and I picked it up and it foamed at the mouth and died. And, and uh, when I took it to the vet, you know, to see what had happened and the vet said, well, the cat's been poisoned. And I knew it was my neighbor because it was coming at me directly from his yard. And I, and I remember just being so angry and I, you know, I was, I, I wanted to call the police. I wanted to do, I, I yelled at the neighbor. I was so angry and upset. How could you do that? And, you know, at the time he just got meaner and nastier and we were getting ready to move in a, about six months and we just moved away and that was the end of it. But looking back on that incident, I think, I wish I had known the principles then. I wish I'd, I could have seen it coming, number one, because he was so distraught and he was, an, he was a kind of a dour, negative person anyway. And second of all, I went through such, such horrendous altercations with him, which really didn't solve any problems and it just upset me more and it did nothing for the situation. And in retrospect, you know, long since, I, I can forgive him. I can understand the man loved his birds. He did not like cats. Uh, 
I loved my cat. I didn't care that much one way or the other about the birds. And um, we, we didn't see eye to eye. And I couldn't imagine anybody would be so mean as to poison an animal. And he couldn't imagine anybody be so stupid as to keep letting their animal out. Now, when I think back on that, I realize the innocence in both of us. It's not just him. It's I was innocent and I have to forgive myself for being so ugly to him because um, I just didn't know any better. I didn't, I didn't have any understanding of state of mind or, or I wasn't sensitive to his level of thinking. And he certainly couldn't care less about me or my cat. So, um, you know, that happened. And I look back on it and I think, you know, this what happens when two people who really don't understand how life works end up disagreeing. It happens all the time to all of us. And looking back on it now, I realize, um, boy, the principles would make such a difference in situations like that. If I had been able to really see what was going on with him and understand that his thinking was very negative and very hostile and that he probably was going to be a danger to my cat, I would have seen that. And if he had had any understanding, he would have understood that the cat's not going to hurt the birds and I'll just shoo him away and pretty soon he won't want to come over here anymore. But, you know, we didn't have that. And I think of all the human interactions, I mean, that's that seems small in the face of murder and terror and all these things, but all these human reactions in which people get into these horrendous confrontations start with the inability to forgive themselves and others for thinking what they think when they're in a certain state of mind and looking at having it look right to them. And, you know, honestly, like right now in our world, this is a really good time because people get themselves really worked up um, over, not even over policy issues anymore. It's just over whether you like this guy or you don't like this guy. Right. And, and they get hateful with each other and they end up contaminating their own state of mental well-being. And then they end up doing things and they end up in prison or they end up hurt. They end up in ways that they take something that's a disagreement and make it be so personal. I think that's what happens is it gets so personal mm-hmm. that um, we think that it's totally okay to do that. Like, I personally think that's a, an amazing story you told about your cat. Gosh, I I, uh, I would hope that I could be that gracious about it even later in life. Because, you know, there's things that we, when we get our heart attached to somebody and somebody does something to that person or that animal or our house or something, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the personalization of it really that causes the suffering. That's true. And, so like the suffering is what we kind of have the ability to to limit, I guess. I think some suffering you're going to go through, but, you know, like how long you want to suffer and how much you want to suffer. Like I had a client who was talking about, to me, about her father. Her father had been very harsh and very gruff and... um showed no love to her growing up and was very um, critical and a a little verbally abusive with her. And she just was still suffering from a life growing up with, with that man. 
And we were talking and I said, oh, that's, that's too bad. But do you know that that's the best he could see to do? Mm-hmm. Because what occurred to me was that she couldn't let go of it because she thought really he could have done better. Like he was doing that intentionally. Mm-hmm. Like he was coming from that negative place to be mean. And I said to her, I said, you know, if he was in a state of mental well-being, he wouldn't have said that. He wouldn't have done that. But we don't, we don't know what was going on with him. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know what was in his thinking. But you know it wasn't very healthy because it looked to him that being mean to his daughter that he loved was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And she said, what do you mean? He was innocent with that. That was the best he could see to do. I said, really? That's the best he could see to do? You don't think he got up in the morning and said, how can I be a bad dad today? What can I do that would really make my child feel bad today? People don't do that. They come up and they they think that the child is making them feel bad or making them look bad or in some way creating their experience. And when people are in really low levels of consciousness, it looks like the outside world, other people, situations, you know, events that happen, that, that those are the things that are making them feel bad. Mm-hmm. So they strike out against the thing that, that looks to create that feeling in them. And that's the great illusion that we all live in, that our thinking distorts how we see life. And it looks like life is making us feel bad. That's true. I think I deal with a lot of clients who come from a history of abuse, you know, where their grandparents abused their parents, their parents abused them, and then they're struggling with their own family and their own children. Sometimes they're struggling with an abusive man with a bad history. And they, there's a lot of thinking in the world that, oh, well, it's, it's not like it's genetic. It's just it's passed down through the generations and nobody can explain why. But they think it's inevitable. You know, if you if you were abused, you're going to be an abuser or and that's in the literature. Often you'll see it, you know, well, you look back at the person's past and if they were abused, then it's, it's only it's inevitable that they're going to abuse someone in their life. And the fact is, it's a, it's all a big misunderstanding of what's the real motivation behind what we do. Because it isn't it isn't natural to do evil things to people, to do bad things to other people. But it is inevitable when you're in a very low state of mind with no understanding whatsoever of the power of thought and no understanding where your thinking is coming from. And those thoughts come to you and they feel very compelling. I think everybody's noticed that they feel most compelled to act when they're most upset. When you get, you know, it's when you say, I'm going to call that person right now <laughs> or I'm going to just go beat the guy up. And when you're not upset, you think, well, I, maybe I'll think about it or, you know, maybe I'll call my lawyer. I don't know. And I, I really think that that uh, we have to forgive ourselves for things that we did because we were we And but we can use that understanding of when we forgive ourselves of how to forgive others, because it's the same phenomenon. You look back and you think, I mean, I think often I one time uh, inadvertently insulted a person that I really cared a lot about that I worked with uh, when I was quite young and I was impulsive, I guess. And I just blurted something out that was very hurtful and I didn't mean to. 
but I did. And then I felt bad about it. So I got defensive about it in my own mind and I couldn't bring myself to apologize. And I finally, it took me weeks, but I finally said, I've just got to apologize to this person. I just hated at that time to admit that I was that stupid or wrong. And she was older. She was an older person that worked in the office. And I went and I told her, I'm really sorry. You know, I said that I, I mean, you may not, you know, it may not have registered, but I said that thing to you that was really thoughtless and, and mean spirited. And I didn't, it just blurted out and I don't know where it even came from. And she looked at me and she said, you know, Judy, you're a nice person. I know you didn't mean it. And I thought, wow, where did that come from? You know, <laughs> I just, I, she's the first person I'd ever encountered, you know, where I had that kind of an interchange where she just had already forgiven me and didn't even think it was important enough to mention, but she was a very wise lady. And um, I think now that's really kind of what we have to realize is when you look back at something that you've done or someone else has done is to realize, yeah, yeah, I did that, but I know I didn't really mean it. It, it came from a bad a dysfunctional thought process that I didn't recognize in time to stop myself. That's really, I, what just hit me is that, you know, when you, um, when a person says, oh, sorry, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like you're telling the person, I'm sorry you reacted or I'm sorry that um, that happened. That's different than when you come to apologize. What you did was that you had an insight. Like you saw that what you did was wrong and then all the other thinking you did afterwards, right? Right. And then you humbly went to this person and, and said you were sorry because you knew that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Now that's a different feeling than, oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah. You know, like really seeing that, man, I was off and what I said was not okay. And I can't believe I said that. That kind of feeling that's when a person's got an insight. Right. That's different than, you know, when people, um, like a, a lot of times people get beat up, uh, particularly women get beat up by men. And then afterwards they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And they buy them roses and try to make up for it. But they're really not seeing that what they did was hurtful. They're concerned that the other person's going to leave them because they did something that they didn't like. You see what I mean? It's like, you know, there's that like you, like what you did is you looked at yourself and said, I'm off on this yeah, and I need to change that. And that's really when people can't forgive themselves, they can't forgive other people, but they also don't, they don't change. Right. And that's, that's important. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And I think that's part of what the, the principles give us permission to be accountable in a sense. It gives us a reason to be accountable because when you understand how thought works, you know, I've forgiven myself for a lot of things in retrospect because <laughs> I, I had a pretty volatile temper for a, a part of my life, although I always felt bad afterwards, but never stopped me. Um, and most of my friends who know me now would go, are you kidding? <laughs> but, but I, when I realized I did not know anything about thought and I really believed whatever came to mind Mm -hmm. and uh, no one ever told me different. Mm -hmm. And even if I asked for advice or help, no one ever, I never went to therapy. Maybe somebody would have told me, but probably not. 
when I asked for advice or help, people would say, well, you just got mad, you know, that happens, but they would never tell me how, it, why. Mm-hmm. And it was such a relief to me when I first recognized the principles at work that there's a logic behind it. And when you understand the logic, number one, you can stop yourself because you feel it coming on. And number two, if, it, if you do it, you can take responsibility for it because we're all the same in that regard. Mm-hmm. All of us have done it. And we're just people doing the best we can. You know, another thing that happens, I think, in traditional psychology that's different than we would do is that in traditional psychology, you might go and talk about how somebody's mistreating you. Right. And you get worked up and the therapist will tell you like, oh, they're really crazy and you should stay away from that person. And, you know, like when you do marriage counseling, you talk to the other person and you get like such a totally different story. And, and, but I remember I would sit and listen to people and how they were abused and how awful it was. And I thought I was supporting them by telling them that the other person was a mean person or psychologically unhinged or whatever it was, whatever diagnosis I would, would give them. And now I don't spend much time on that. And I, because what I found was that the more people talked about how poorly they treated were treated, the more they felt victimized, right? The more they, that whatever happened to them got bigger in their mind, right? Because the more you think about something, the more real it gets, the more real it gets, the more you think about it and the more right you are. So you stay mad at people like, you know, it happens with like, sometimes I work with divorced families and they just hang on to how they think the other person treated them. And they maybe went to therapy and Mm -hmm. talked to their therapist about how bad this person was, but they're just saying their perception. So I think we're a little bit different in that we're not really listening to the insecurity and the negativity about what happened. We're really listening for the person's health and how they made it through whatever they went through Mm -hmm. and how they had that strength within them. Mm -hmm. And then helping them to see the innocence in the other person then helps them to let go of that so they don't carry around the personal nature of the bad behavior. Yeah, it also helps them to trust that they can have a different relationship later on. Because mm-hmm. you know, they, they, if they can get over thinking I must be, just be a magnet for meanness, you know, and start realizing how they each work, uh, then they can trust that I could feel differently. I could start on a, I could get a fresh start. Yeah. And, and, and for kids, it's such a difference for the kids because when they get divorced and they hate each other and they're continually saying, oh, your father is a, a got a borderline personality or he's this kind of person or he's an addict or it's like all of that. The kids just like get so caught in the, that negative feeling of it, yeah. the, the rancor between the two people. So it is kind of like learning to, like I think Sid says in one of his tapes, he said yeah, to forgive is to forget, right? Get it off your mind and, and you're free from that. Right. Yeah. So we're kind of at the end of our time and um, we'll be back next week with another topic. Yep. So, and we'll be in the new year then. Yes. So (laughs) actually we're probably farther in the new year than, than we think we are, but today's new year's Eve for us. Right. 
we are hoping that next year is a great year. Yes. So I hope you're already having a great year and we'll see you soon. Aloha. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com.